Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And today we have on the pod, Jason. That's right. Jason Allegood. Some of you guys know Jason uh, from social media or from the, uh, the interwebs of various kinds. Jason is the pastor at uh, Fellowship Bible Church in Peoria, Illinois. He is a graduate of Moody Bible Institute. And where did you do your, uh, your master's? So I did a, a, my first master's at a school called Calvary University in Kansas City. Okay. A big time flagship Disby school. So I was still. <laughs> you went from one Disby school camp. to another. Yep, that's right. But I waited about 10 years. And by the time I got there, at least I was progressive dispensationalist, which they didn't like. Um, and then I did uh, my second master's at um, Midwestern Seminary, where I also got my PhD. Yeah, so. PhD. Not that fake demon that those other guys get. <laughs> Jay, listen, Jay, all Jason does is he talks about those uh, those other posers. Any, anytime I mention somebody with a oh demon, my. he just says, they're posers. <laughs> No, it's what was not it? Uh, David David Wells had an article called "The Demonization of Academia" or something mm, like that, mm. where he used that terminology. So that swayed me a long time ago. <laughs> We're joking, by the way. We know some awesome people who have uh, doctor yes. of ministries, Good guys. But Good uh, guys. but yeah, I'm a. Uh, I love the PhD program at Midwestern, and uh, it's a great program. Uh, we love we love them. They'll man, they're uh, they'll be sponsoring uh, the podcast. Uh, I think starting next week. So uh, we love awesome. working with them. What they're doing, great stuff out there with uh, President Allen. Good yes. guy, good professors. Barrett, man, all kinds of good things going on over there. T- fantastic things, yeah. yeah. And they even let uh, losers like me teach for them sometimes. So, <laughs> well, yeah, they have to because only guys like you can control the the kind of students that they get. I mean, we know we know some of the students yeah. that they've had over there. Yeah. Man. Like, I don't I don't want to mention any names, but uh, he wheels around a lot a lot. Yet, if you know what oh, I'm talking about, yeah, sure, and, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, we, we you know Ed. We're talking about Ed Roman. Yeah, and Ed, um, and he Ed, is a handful. Guy. He is a handful. He is. He, he is, is man. You know, he's a smart guy. Uh, he Ed is my, he might be like the most earnest and excited yeah. guy for Jesus, the church, the truth. Yeah. Dude is yeah. earnestness Super on solid guy, and mm-hmm. he's in And he's in Utah right now, which is, I mean, he's a street preacher. Yeah. I mean, that's like asking for trouble to street preach in, in Provo, Utah. <laughs> He's an evangelist, apologist, yep. preacher of Jesus. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. And I know Love guys like you can handle him. So uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's got his PhD yeah. as well, doesn't he? From, he does, uh, yeah. So he, he he and I were in at the same time. So he, he graduated like a semester after me or something okay, like that. So cool. I never never had him as a student, but um, yeah, he would have he, he was a handful when we were in together. So I always <laughs> joke it. about how like he's uh you know he's built he's built like a shark he's or like a pit bull like he's just he's always like upper body muscular and when he hugs you it hurts it does it's not a pleasant experience no not at all not at all and and the thing that cracks me up not only about his strength but also his humility i mean yeah he uses politically incorrect terms like calls himself a cripple (laughs) things like that you know yeah yeah Yeah, i love him listen uh ed i've I've had people you know say things to me people who are you know very able-bodied um take issue i'm one time i wrote uh that we are spiritual cripples uh in something for the Mm. church and these people were were very offended and and they're good people they're the the members they were sensitive they're just very sensitive to other people's feelings and needs and and how that word can be used as a pejorative term Absolutely. And uh, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm not. I'm really not using it that way. And and you know, I, I, I 
I'll take that under consideration and I'll, I'll, I'll try to do something a little bit easier. Uh, but, but, you know, Ed is, and, and I have other friends as well who had said like, no, that's not offensive to us yeah. at all. That's <laughs> if you were to be like, you dirty cripple, then that would be offensive. Right. But, like, for sure. Yeah. 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 That's I, right. I, I love, I love Ed. Ed, we love you, man. We know you're listening. We appreciate you uh, so much and hope to see you uh, at a forthcoming conference somewhere, anywhere, or maybe a D and D conference. We'll see. We're working on one now. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I, I really appreciate about many of the, the scholarly types that um, I'm friends with uh, is that these are PhDs who are preachers. They're, mm. they're, they're not PhDs who, who only exist in academia, and we do need PhDs who only exist in academia. That's fine. But Absolutely. I love that, they're, uh, that, that guys like you are pastors who love the church and while you strive to be um, technical and, and thorough in an academic setting, you also work just as hard, maybe harder, at taking those concepts and bringing them to uh, the lay people so that they can understand mm -hmm. these truths as well. And I mean, this is reflected in, in, in your weekly preaching. Were you just in Psalm 119? Did I read that right? Uh, Psalm 119 starts next week. So oh, I did Psalm week. 1 as an introduction to Psalm 119 starting next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because I was, mm -hmm. I was peeking at your website. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah, was uh, I was peeking at Fellowship Bible Church's website, and, uh, and I was looking around. And so I must have just seen that it was teasing what was coming up. Yep. That's right. So pro I don't know if the sermon got uploaded last week, but we'll upload Psalm 1 to the Psalm 119 because I, I use that as an introduction to Psalm 119. And then we'll nice. we'll dive in, you know, 22 weeks in, in Psalm 119. So, And what was your what was your Ph.D. in? Uh, systematic theology. Oh, nice. Nice. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. Love Sistheo. So you didn't throw away Sistheo? You didn't like dismiss yep. it? You didn't, like. That was a thing. I, I, I guess it still I'm is. Throw it away, <laughs> but man. Listen, like a lot of a lot of seminaries. I don't know what what's going on oh, right I now. Oh, I see what you're saying. But they yeah, were just yeah. completely shelving systematic theology and only going yeah. with biblical theology. Biblical and, theology, and yeah. not even the biblical theology that most of our listeners would have in mind when they think biblical theology. You know, tracing those overarching uh, principles and threads through Scripture. But that, that the, the academic approach to biblical theology that focuses on um, authors and redaction criticism and whatnot, which is all good. But boy, right. I remember from Moody through seminary, there was, a, there was a whole movement of people still pushing for that. Do you see that going on in academia still? I actually see a strengthening of it um, today. I, I know what you're talking about, and it depends on the school. I was just right, chatting right. with someone the other day. Uh, who I think is doing a master's degree at RTS, and and he kind of he kind of like mentioned how different schools have different emphases, and and uh, you know, uh, but I think I see a, a return of systematic Good. theology actually, and and guys like uh, Barrett who are mm -hmm. you know marrying it with historical theology, which is super important yeah. as well, and he's not the only one, but he's the one that comes to mind. He's at Midwestern, but. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful for a return of that. I mean, <clears throat> I can think of a school right now, I won't name it, that actually changed the name of the department from systematic theology. How I understand it is they change it from systematic theology to missional theology. And I'm just going, well, wow. what's the matter with systematic theology? And um, yeah, you, so... You can't uh, have missional theology without systematic theology. That's weird. Right, right. Yeah, okay. exactly. So, so what was that school again? <laughs> <laughs> I won't put you on the spot. You're a Thank gentleman. You. <laughs> you you are a gentleman, um, but we all know you're talking about Moody. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what school you're talking no, about. It's, it's not Moody. It's not Moody. We promise. 
No. So we were there, man. We were there in the 90s, man. Yeah. Moody together, and we were just yeah. hanging out. But you don't remember me from then. I remember Let's you. Be honest. I don't remember talking to you. <laughs> I don't remember. You remember seeing me. Well, well, here's the thing that we had in common besides, well, I, I started into Reformed theology even though I was still dispensational because I had dudes on my floor that were like Calvinism, Arminianism. I never heard these terms before. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I was before the radical new, I mean, how we would say neo-Calvinism, not Kyperian so much, but, um, and uh, uh, so we had that in common. I was hearing from guys who were hearing from you, basically. But we also had the 90s grunge hair together. Oh, so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. But mine was shaved underneath because mine was so thick back then. It would have just been an Oh, yeah. Tell me more about your thick hair. I, I, oh, oh. I just love to hear. I love to hear how thick and luxurious your hair oh, is. Oh, man. But tell me oh, more. Listen, 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 brother. Oh, uh, yeah. Look at that. Look at that. I was but just, we both had, in the 90s, we had the grunge hair, man. Well, here's the thing. We, I, I remember that. When I got accepted to Moody, my hair was long. It was really long. Yes. And, um, and they said, no bueno. And because I went through the visit right. and they were like, mm, that's not going to work. And I go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So I shaved it like this. And they were like, no. I didn't remember that. No, they were like, <clears throat> no, no, you can't do that. And I, I was like, what? <laughs> Two extremes. I was like, I don't understand. And again, it was early. It was 93. And they were like, because right. uh, really back then it was like the punk scene, which I wasn't a part of. They right. shaved their heads and skinheads. Those were, that was really yeah, exactly. the only way that they thought about it. And I remember yeah. asking them, like, I, one of your professors, uh, Dr. Sims, has a bald head. And they were like, yeah, uh, he's black. He's allowed to do that. And the African-American cult community, that's normal. In the white community, not so normal. So, no, you're not allowed. So then I had to grow it out. And I have, I have horrible hair. And so I grew it out that, that kind of 90s grungy. Yeah. Oh, it was so yeah. ugly. It's so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I had it too. <sighs> okay. All right. Well, listen, I wanted to bring you on uh, for us to, to have a conversation. We were hanging out a couple days ago uh, at your place with your giant dogs running around, scaring everybody. Yeah, and they're in the room, by the way. So if anything oh, nice. comes up. I... All right. Well, I, ho I hope we get a peek at Zeke. Uh, Zeke is a, is a cute, like, 100-pound monster. Um, yeah. But I, I wanted us to, to have a, an extended conversation, kind of extend it from what we were talking about there, about preaching. Because, you know, mm -hmm. as, as, as pastors and, and as preachers who've been at this for a few decades now, um, yeah. we have a lot of experience. It doesn't mean we're great preachers, but we have a lot of experience, and we've learned a number of things along the way. And this is something that Jimmy and I talk a lot about, but I wanted you and I to talk about some of the insecurities that preachers uh, deal with and, um, and how to eventually right, over, overcome those insecurities. And then I also want us to talk about listening to preachers and listening to sermons because uh, mm -hmm. listening to a sermon comes with a whole host of, of problems and it bring, we bring our baggage to hearing sermons as well. So why don't we start with the... Well, I was I was calling it in my own mind this morning. I was calling it the anxious pulpit, right? We know about the anxious bench, yeah. right? right? Charles Finney, the anxious bench, where um, after yeah. the sermon, people would come forward, sit on this front bench, and he would exhort them further because they were anxious for their souls. But the anxious pulpit, right, uh, is mm -hmm. what I'm thinking about, where preachers come to the task, the responsibility, the calling of, of heralding the gospel, uh, but we come with all kinds of fears and insecurities. In, in your mind and in your experience, mm -hmm. when, when you've mm -hmm. had to deal with uh, your own sort of mm, uncertainties uh, in preaching, sure. uh, what were the things that were most prominent 
what sort of put you on edge when you began to preach or maybe even on occasion still experience? Yeah, I think I was maybe in my early days very unsure of myself as a public speaker. Um, I like to talk. I mean, you and I could go on for hours and hours, man. We enjoy each other's company. But I, I hadn't really... Um, well, honestly, I think we talked about this the other day. I've never taken a pre taken a preaching class. Yeah, that's obvious. Um, and <laughs> because you're my good. people say that too. Because oh, you're good. That's very nah, kind. See what that's I did very there? Kind. Yeah, yeah, I did. And uh, all is good, as people often say about me. Uh, it's the oldest joke in the book for my name. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I remember early on um, being very unsure of myself. I think I was comfortable around you know preaching to teenagers or something along those lines. But when you get up in big church, you know, and speak, I was very un unsure of myself. And my kids even asked me today, like, dad, are you ever nervous? And I'm like, almost every Sunday, there's some sort of a nervousness that I still have about getting up. And I think that has more to do with the weightiness of God's word, you know? Yeah. Um, so I love, you know, a very popular thing that's known is Spurgeon saying as he walked up into the dais that he would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in the Holy Spirit, you know. Um, we need that enablement. And um, But I, I think early on it was more just an, um, I didn't know. I didn't have a confidence. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, that may or may not have been because I did or did not have a preaching class uh, to, to sort of test those waters. Uh, you, you, know, you, you have your own stories about preaching classes yeah. that we talked about the other day, but <clears throat> yeah, I think it was just, it wasn't tested, maybe is the best way to say it. And so there is, I think, a period of testing any of us would go through. Um, we, we want our churches, we want our elders to affirm us, and that takes um, getting up and doing it, and like yeah. what you guys do with the preaching lab and, and that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the weight of preaching, um, that never goes away. Well, mm -hmm. uh, it can go away, and it, that's a danger. It can, and it shouldn't, right? right? The, the, yeah. the, there is... There is a healthy uh, sobriety or fear that comes with recognizing I'm handling the word of God and mm -hmm. I don't want to mess this up. I, I want to preach the word. I don't want to preach just my own ideas. I want to be clear. I want uh, the truth that I present to be compelling. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's always a weightiness. And I was nervous. I was sick to my stomach every day for the first 10 years of preaching. And in, you know, yeah. I, I, my first preaching class at Moody, um, throughout Moody, I always, yeah. I probably had, uh, I definitely had more experience preaching than most of the other students in that class, just because my pastor kept mm -hmm. putting me up in the pulpit. Okay. It didn't, it didn't mean I was good. Uh, it just meant I had more experience. And uh, so like I, I did have a lot of reps, but I was still sick to my stomach, uh, extremely nervous, scared. And mm -hmm. it was, it, it wasn't just the weight of, of the responsibility, right? It was like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm nervous. How do I say things? You get overly aware of yourself, but even as we're, as we're going as, as preachers, as, as we, as we continue to, um, you know, serve God's people, once we get into a regular rhythm, there's still oftentimes this, this anxiety, uh, maybe that's the wrong word for mm -hmm. it, but there's, there's an anxiety that comes, I think with this idea that we want to feed people, right? We want to feed people mm -hmm. the word of God, but we want the meal to taste good, right? It's yep. like, like I, I always take comfort in this, right? That, okay. Um, 
I maybe I wasn't as clear as I could have been. Uh, maybe it wasn't a great mm-hmm. sermon, but I gave him the word, and God does right. His thing. The God Holy Spirit can use does His thing. Yeah, that's so right. I've never in my life had a bad Monday because of my message. I've had bad messages, mm-hmm. bad bad messages, mm-hmm. but I've never been depressed on Monday because I went like, well, I gave the word. What can I do? I've had a bad right. afternoon after preaching, but by, sure. but I usually work through it in my own way, and I'm fine on Monday. But there's this idea, like I still. Um, I, I want to present the word and I want it to taste good. I, and I don't, that doesn't mean I want to please people. It means like I want it to be worthy of the truth that we're preaching. And I want the, the people to know that, that I don't want them to know. I want them to be able to receive it well. And so one of the fears is, is that like, oh, I'm just going to be a running commentary on a passage mm-hmm. or I'm just going to give them truth, but it's not going to be presented in any way that is uh, worthy of, of the subject itself. I think that's a, it's a thing that every preacher, most preachers, I think I shouldn't say every, because some are very self-assured and very confident. But mm-hmm. most of my friends, all of my friends that are preachers, they wrestle with that. Do you, do you feel that? You ever feel that sort of pressure? Absolutely, sure. And and the one question I always ask my wife uh, on on a Sunday afternoon is, "Was it clear?" Yeah, um, that's good. I, I don't ask the question, "Was it good?" Because I mean, it could have been, it couldn't have been. That that sounds like I'm looking for a pat on the back, and mm-hmm. sometimes I probably am. But the is it clear question is the one that I typically ask her, and she'll be honest with me, and she'll say, um, "You're using too many big theological words. You need to explain what those are." Yeah. You know, and and you, I'm sure, feel that tension as well, Joe. As as we, you know, I mean, the the big thing right now is doctrine of God and simplicity and yeah. things like that, and that comes what you're reading comes out and you're preaching. Um, uh, because that's just where our hearts are and what we're concentrating right. on. And so, you know, is it clear, I think, is a great question. And I I struggle with the same thing at the end of the day, especially when you're wrestling with a passage that's really difficult. Or I just got through preaching through the Gospel of John. We started pre-pandemic and through pandemic <laughs> Gospel of John. And um, there's so there's so much richness theologically in the Gospel of John. And yet I can get lost in the weeds very easily because that's what I love. Yeah. And 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 I don't want to um, have someone on the other end say, um, wow, he used some really big words, but I don't have any clue what that text was about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, well, and because, how, or, or even how it applies to me. Right. Um, right. The person in the pew. I mean, well, because, you know, we can be we can we can lose a bit of our focus in that right like we we love the people we know the people need to understand these doctrines and so mm-hmm. it's possible for us to so focus on the doctrines that th- the doctrines eclipse the congregation that we're trying to apply it to and so it almost exactly. becomes a i mean it can become a rather self-indulgent kind of a thing where yes. i'm just talking about something that is really important and everybody needs to understand it but i have to help mm-hmm. them to understand it we got to break things down i mean years ago we did a series at Redeemer on the doctrine of God. And we covered simplicity and impassibility and all of that stuff. Um, and we would use the words, right, that are there, but we mm-hmm. worked really hard to define them. So yes. that, like I said, we want our people to be theologically minded. We want our people to to know how to handle the word. And so it's fine to introduce terms. Um, and I think if right. you're, especially if you're in a reformed tradition, don't be afraid to use the terms, but if you're not explaining right. them, there's no good. I know a lot of people uh, love and a lot of people really do not like Ed Stetzer, uh, but Ed, Ed's a friend of mine. And uh, and one of the things he said years ago was really on point. He said, listen, if people can learn uh, the 
the unique vocabulary of Starbucks. And if they can order complex beverages at Starbucks, then they can certainly learn theological terms uh, that the church has been using for centuries. And that's like, we should, we should welcome them in to this culture. Let them, let them learn the culture and actually become a part of it so that it, like, those words become their words. They don't have to be the strange things. And it gives them it gives them the right vocabulary for things that they're seeing in the scriptures as well. And like you're saying, connecting it to history um, helps them see that they're not coming up with something on right. their own too. So no, that's really good. I think clarity is a huge. You know, if we're talking about the anxious pulpit, that's that's a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as um, trying to condense and make sure that my my preaching is. Uh, able to be um, brought together in 35 to 45 minutes at the most. Yeah. Um, And so that I'm, you know, again, so clarity and precision are two things. I don't, I don't want to have to do a part two on a passage. I want to get through it and, and make sure that it's clear. And obviously structure has a lot to do with that. I'm, I don't want to be a rambler, but there's also that other side of it, as you know, where a thought comes to mind, whatever we want to call that it's, the spirit or, or whatever we want to say, um, some, some further clarification in our thinking actually happens in the event oh, of yeah. preaching. And so, but if that happens too many times, now I'm into 50 minutes, an hour, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I have to gauge that as well. And so I think precision is another thing that concerns me. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about giving some advice to preachers on these things when we get to, to, to the end of this part. Um, because there, 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 there are ways to, to deal with these, with these hangups or insecurities. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there, there, there really are. And, um, and if you are a preacher or a teacher, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, right. What, in whatever context God is allowing you to use your gifts. Right. Um, I, I've seen, I've seen people really overcome and just become amazing communicators of, of the word. And I know like this idea of clarity is really big. Like you're talking about, um, I'm big on that as well. Did, could people follow, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but also another component is like, I don't want them to be bored. I, I mean, yep. goodness sakes. Now I don't think some passages and are, are hard. The more difficult yes. than others. Peter says this, he says, like, yeah, I'm gonna Paul. <laughs> Paul can be a bit laborious at times. <laughs> 75% yeah. of the new Testament, you know, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> it, it's like people going like, yeah, reading Owen, his, even his sentence structure. He's a little, well, he stretches things out a bit. Um, so, but I don't, I don't want to bore people. Like that's honestly one of my like ongoing fears is, our, and it's, especially because I preach to uh, a, a very white audience who is generally less expressive than mm-hmm. uh, other audiences that I'm able to preach at. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, like they look, they look like I look. They they just like they're, they're listening. They're listening. They're taking it in, but they're mm-hmm. they're almost a bit more stoic uh, unless there's a, a particularly uh, humorous line or maybe something that's a bit more shocking. And so I'm always wondering: Are they listening? Are they tracking? You know, so I look for a couple of people out there that might yeah. be more expressive. That helps me to know: Okay, they're tracking, so I think we're okay. But uh, the fear of boring them with the truth scares me because these truths are not boring. They are life-giving. The scripture is living. Uh, it's active. And then the truth in them, uh, in it, are, are soul-transforming. And so the idea that I would present God's word in a way that would leave people like yawning, not because they're right. tired, but because 
I'm tiring them uh, is, a, mm-hmm. is a real fear. And I think, you know, pe- people try to deal with that by just sprinkling a lot of humor in. And that's not helping your actual message. That's mm-hmm. that might jolt them awake at points. And that's fine. But I want to make sure that we're preaching and presenting the word of God and the truths of God in a way that people can feel the the value uh, and the impact that it's supposed to be having. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's right on. Yeah, we don't, we we don't we don't want to bore. We want to we want to make it exciting because we serve an exciting God, a, a God who deserves worship and praise. And that may not come out in amens from certain groups, but um, they ought to be amening in their head. I guess maybe is the way we. Yeah. If they're not that expressive, they, um, yeah, the the things of God that that He has revealed to us in His Word are not are not boring. And so if we make them boring, the, the problems with us and not, not God's word, not, not who he is. I know. So I, I think, uh, I think some preachers, uh, or maybe, maybe many, if not most preachers also have this fear of, of being somewhat disingenuous. And, and what I mean is, mm. is not that they're being disingenuous, but, um, there, there, there's a lot. Bo Burnham is a comedian, and um, he's a musician, comedian, and in one of his most famous performances, and that's really what his acts are—they are performances. Um, he's doing this what's called the Kanye rant, and it's brilliant. And and at the towards the end of the Kanye rant, and and after, by the way, after this performance, he, he he stopped performing for five years because he was having such oh, severe wow. anxiety attacks. And uh, the show is called Happy, and. Um, the line in there where he says you're you're staring at this skinny white kid trying to give you what he can't give himself hmm and he's trying to make them happy mm-hmm. he can't make himself happy and mm-hmm. I, as a preacher you know we're going through texts of scripture and we're 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 looking at truths that we're supposed to delight in that are supposed to change us or we're exhorting the people to trust the lord to not doubt to believe to persevere and there can be times when we're not feeling those things the way we're exhorting the people to feel, or we're not That's walking in those ways yep. that yep. we're exhorting them to walk in. And so there's this yeah. fear, like, Feel uh, like am, a fraud. Am I am I being fake here? Am I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to be a mm-hmm. hypocrite. How would you yeah. exhort? A, and so let's use that to transition to like some some advice. Sure. Because yeah. you're, if you preach long enough at all, you're you're gonna you're gonna have that. So yeah. what what do you say when you're teaching these preaching classes or when you're just talking to preachers? How would you move them to deal with that particular struggle of, wow, um, I'm trying to give you what I haven't even been able to really grasp myself at this point? Yeah, it's a great question. And yeah, I think all of us, as you mentioned, I would just use, you feel like a fraud. You know, you feel like I'm going to get up here and preach this truth that I haven't been either living or believing this week. And I think that's why you know, both of our churches uh, have a pretty structured liturgy in the way that we um, in, in the way that we do our things. And we don't have a public con- time of public confession. I think that's really good. And uh, you guys do that, don't you? You do a. I mean, I think that's where the preacher has the opportunity to confess his sins corporately as well, and and just make his heart right. And we have other opportunities for that. They're not as they're not as clearly stated in our liturgy. Um, we do a time of, you know, expressing our conf- our confession, what we confess as a church during our pastoral prayer at the beginning. Um, and, and we do uh, in that moment sort of 
um, talk about what we're doing here today. And I think for the for the pastor, the preacher, there really ought to come a realization at every every Sunday that I I really am not fully living these things or or, or believing these truths yeah. without Christ. And yeah. so I'm so I'm compelled in those moments before the sermon. I'm glad the sermon isn't first. Because in those moments is when I am confessing my sin and entrusting that time to God. And again, it's sort of a, there's sort of a weird, um, so, sort of a weird imbalance, I think, when it comes to preaching in that I don't want to get up there and be arrogant in any way. Right. But I have to, I have to be confident, not in me, but in, in the word and in Christ and in the spirit and, and what, what I'm about to do is what God has called me to do. I mean, we think about the, you know, preach the word passage from Paul to Timothy. And right. that's what we're supposed to be doing. But it hasn't been a rebuke and a reproof to me that week. Perhaps it has. And maybe that's what's happening right at the moment before I get up in the, or in those moments before mm. um, the, the, the preaching or the singing. I mean, all of those elements uh, ought to be writing our hearts before we get up to do the preaching. And so, yeah, I think there's I think the advice I would give in short is be self-reflective in those moments. Don't be overly confident um, in what you shouldn't be confident in, which is yourself, because you are. And, and we talked about this the other day, like pastors who never talk about their sin from the pulpit yeah. or never admit they're wrong to their, their folks or even their family, the, the closest neighbor to them. And um, that's a that's very, very dangerous. But yeah, if I'm feeling that fraud type element, I, I just need to confess before the Lord. And, and, you know, again, I think it, we often come back to the ordinary means of grace and we're, maybe somebody's expecting an extraordinary kind of an answer to that question, but I think that's why those means of grace are there. Yeah. Yeah, I I think because, you know, I, I I felt that I think you're, you're, you're going to feel that, especially Mm -hmm. if you've been doing real prep during the week, right? Which means you're, you're in the word, you are, seeking to understand the word you, you are first preaching the word to yourself that's mm-hmm. when you're going to sense that and then you begin to transition how do i exhort the people and i i think you're right that it really comes down to being honest about your own failure or frailty or insecurity or doubt in the in the process but even in the moment of preaching uh because our, our people should not be uh basing the the certainty of these truths based on our apprehension of those truths as preachers they should right. embrace the reality of these truths because they are the very word of god and so like i'm i'm comfortable at this point admitting to the people in the midst of it this is hard this is a hard thing and mm-hmm. i can say like i'm struggling with this in this area of my life like you know i'm i want it and i see it and i know it's there but i'm um but at this point i can i i see myself struggling in these particular ways and maybe you do too it really mm-hmm. then puts us both on the same level which is good because right. jesus is the savior that it's the gospel is for uh, sinners and and really and I think you know if you're reading the institutes or or whatever pastoral theologians write a lot about doubt uh, in the midst mm-hmm. of faith and uh, especially for those who are serving so I think honesty is 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 the key like you were saying you know confessing it and just reminding people that <laughs> my hope. Uh, for all of us is not in me. It's 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 in Christ who went before us, who established um, 
these these gospel uh, truths and and benefits that we receive freely, even in the midst of our unbelief and uncertainty. Can I ask you a question oh, yeah. uh, based on on that? Um, when you preach, do you say you or us or we? How do you? Because I've heard people say you should never say we or us. You should always say you, like you're talking to the congregation. I just find myself saying we and us because I know I need it as well. Maybe that's yeah. right or wrong. No, I would say who, I would say whoever says, and please feel free to cite them. Uh, if if somebody says you should not say we or us in preaching when you're calling for repentance or obedience or faith is a lunatic. I, I think it is we and us most of the time. Um, yeah. Now, what I do is I will mix it up, uh, and I think it's good, to, you know, because it even just yes. the, the choice of words can have an impact. You know, um, you say you if you want mm-hmm. um, to experience uh, freedom from um, from the, the 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 love of money or the lust of the flesh, then you have to discover the satisfaction that is to be found in Jesus. And here's how we do that. That's fine. As long as you're also saying with that in its application or whatever, like this is how we get there. And this is because if you're only saying you, then it really does begin to elevate you as a preacher above them in terms of the problem that's being addressed. I totally agree. I I totally agree. So I like we, us, um, and I'll say me, I mean, but yes, I don't, again, one rule, I know there's one ring that rules them all, but there isn't one rule that reigns supreme in preaching. Like, cause it's just yeah. too varied and, uh, and congregations are different and the way. So sometimes, especially if you're addressing your congregation on a particular issue that the congregation is struggling with, definitely say you, that's fine, sure. but it's still our problem. Even yes. If there is a gossip problem in the church, then you have to say, listen, this is happening in the church. You guys need to get this under control, but you still, even if you're not gossiping, have to say, we are wrestling with this. And right. I, it really puts you on the, it really does put you on the same team, right? This is our yeah. problem. Is, I'm a, Isaiah, right? He is a man of unclean lips who lives among a people of unclean lips. He recognizes that corporate, right. I know that's scary, uh, corporate sense of, of guilt or responsibility. What about when we're talking about sort of like trying to figure out like how to overcome some of these things? Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea of, of not wanting to bore the congregation, uh, wanting to be clear, how do we encourage preachers to, uh, to grow in that so that they're not really riddled with insecurity? Are there, are there any, I mean, I know I, I think of a couple of things that I tell people, um, when they're like, oh man, I just want to be clear. I don't want to be confusing. I don't want to bore them. What's one or two things you would say to them, uh, to, to help them there? Yeah, I think I think perhaps do a um, service review. Um, have a couple of people in your congregation, or if you're in a church that has a couple of pastors on staff, uh, or or even just your elders. If you're a um, you know plurality of elders kind of a church, that you go you go back through and break down um, your sermons. Um, and I mean, it doesn't have to be in depth, but hey, you were unclear on this point, or I wasn't really sure where you were going with this. I mean, uh, I know that you don't often or ever preach canned sermons, um, like going going back and re-preaching something you've done in the past. Um, I do that from time to time, and I'll read back over my notes. And I'm like, what in the world was I saying? <laughs> and that's even after people come up to me at the end and say, thank you for your oh, sermon. Sure. It was so good. And I'm like, I'm looking back at it going, how is that good? You know, but I think... Um, 
you know, having a service review is super helpful. Yeah. People that are willing, one or two people in your congregation that are, and, and, and it's good to have people that are of different, um, uh, you know, they have different jobs or, or different, um, you know, things that they're involved in because they're not going to look at it the same as another pastor or preacher mm-hmm. is going to look at it. So maybe it's somebody who is an editorial person in a, in a newspaper or, uh, you have someone like for you guys, you have Krista in, in the, the, um, the job that she does, she, she can come at it from that angle. And yeah, I think just having a couple of people, key people who can help you, uh, think through how to be more yeah. clear. Um, I've experienced, um, and, and part of it as well as receiving criticism. So I've experienced that from people. I haven't, I haven't asked for it. <laughs> they just brought it to me. I remember one time a couple of years ago, I used the word salvific. And to me, that's just a normal term. And I, right. I didn't see even, even still today, I'm like, what's so hard about that term? It, it makes sense. Just logically makes sense. But you know, I was in the middle of my PhD program and people were like, you need to stop using these uh, PhD size words. I'm like, salvific, but okay, I'll, I'll be careful with it next time, you know, or I won't use it. I'll use something different. And, and you generally in my, yeah. in my arrogance, my wife will come along and say like, yeah, you need to stop saying that. <laughs> I don't know, but I don't know because I, I it's, it, that's not so bad. I mean, there are other preachers. I won't mention any names, but Tony Evans, they'll like, uh, they'll like invent a word like salvifified. Yeah. I'm like, that's not, yeah. even, you made that word up and I'm not opposed to it, but I'm like, that's not even yeah. a real word. If he can do that, it's, then I think we can say salvific. I don't think it's, it's like, it's like reading Meredith Klein with all these hyphens, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the, the Piperian hyphen, hyphen trend. Uh, yeah. Piper likes to do that. Um, and then I remember another time where I <clears throat> unintentionally uh, preached re- uh, baptismal regeneration. I just didn't get my words right. right. And so I mm-hmm. had a, a dear lady in our church who was just steeped in church tradition and theology, and she knows her stuff, you know. And she goes, I think you just preached baptismal <laughs> regeneration. I said, I don't, th- I don't think I did. And I went back you. and listened to it. I went back and listened to it, and I did. Yeah. I messed it up. And and so I went like I went to all the people who are doing the audio stuff. I'm like, do not put that out there until we edit that out. <laughs> no, it's but rough. you know, just listening listening to criticism, you know, uh, from good. people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a review is good, and I, I would just add to that, like, find get some people that you can trust to be reviewers for you. Like, get feedback. That's right. That's because yep. I preached, you know, two sermons. We were doing three for a while, and um, I, I have one guy in particular, Pastor Brian. Uh, you know, Jimmy will do it too, but Pastor Brian's the, the most regular one who will come and say, hey, listen, um, do you want some feedback? And I'm like, you know I want feedback. He's like, all right, you said this and it wasn't very clear or you never got to this and a big part of our congregation is over here. So you might, you know, if you have time, you know, think about sure. that. Uh, and I welcome that. I really, I, I, I know I yeah, need that. Absolutely. Re- review is, is, is a necessary component. And you, if you can legitimately watch yourself on video to have somebody put up a camera yeah that was the next thing uh, yep. somewhere discreetly and just go back and watch it i know it's painful i know yep. it's awful listen the reason i don't preach uh sermons that i've preached before uh is not because i'm that good it's because i'm that bad i it's like i that sermon i'm not preaching that again i will preach a better version of that text uh, a better sermon on that text next time um that's sure that's really why it's uh, i don't think there's anything wrong preaching the same sermon twice i just I know I can do better. I know I can be more clear yeah. um, or, That's good. or more persuasive. I also think that if you're afraid of, of if you're fearful of boring people or not being clear, uh, one of the things that we push all of our preachers to do is to have one point. 
have mm-hmm. one clear, succinct point that you are making that runs throughout your whole message. So, you know, if it is, I mean, it, it, it can be, it can be uh, tightly theological. Uh, it can be very practical, whatever it is, because you're going to unpack it in the sermon. But whatever your one overriding thesis is, make sure it's not too long, that it is succinct. It doesn't have to be long. You're going to unpack it. Um, boil that down for everybody and hit that a number of times throughout because they're not going to remember the whole of the sermon. They're likely mm. not going to remember your three, four, or five, or seven points, even if you make them rhyme and alliterate them. Uh, those are all helpful tools. But the one point they, they're they likely to remember, the one thing, especially yeah. if you hit it a number of times. So we just tell our people, man, if you don't know, and I think, what was it called? The 3 a.m. test in Chapel's book, right? If somebody wakes you up at 3 a.m. and yeah, says, hey, yeah. what's your sermon yeah, yeah. about? Can you, can you yeah, rattle you, can off you, yeah. your, your, your thesis statement? Right. That's that's yeah. a great way of thinking about it. Do you know what? Because if you don't, if you can't give a succinct statement about your sermon, then no one's going to know what the heck you're talking about. It's going to be everywhere. Yeah. And then I find because because like, I don't care whether you have two, three or seven points. I've had seven point sermons before. It doesn't. It, and it all felt within it fell within the normal range, time range, uh, time frame. Uh, but because the, the seven points are great, but it's like with any book that you read there's going to be one of those points that really hits hard for somebody or somebody else. It'll mm-hmm. be a, a, a parenthetical statement, right? Because you're, you're preaching the word of God. You're, you're expositing the whole thing and you're giving them so much material. People are going to be impacted by different parts of it. And so if you have the right. one main idea that you are then unpacking with great detail, that can be a, a helpful way of being clear. And if you've then unpacked it, well, um, making sure that you're hitting both, things to believe and ways to respond, uh, you're, you're less likely to be boring, I think. Yeah. I think one other fear, if I can mention it, oh, is yeah. to get the get the law gospel distinction wrong mm-hmm. and not have people, you know, th- have people thinking they can earn something or that God's loves them less or, or something along those lines, too. So that that's yeah. something that enters my mind a lot, too. I don't we don't need to get into all of that, but that is one that well, it, cri- it really cripples people, preachers, because they're like, oh, man, can I really exhort them to fight their sin mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. mortify the flesh? And can I give them? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Amen. But you but right. But you you have to give them the gospel with that. It's that, you know, the, that's right. And, uh, you know, many, many of the popular preachers of the day, uh, some of them are no longer really that popular. But anyways, some of the really mm-hmm. popular preachers of the day uh and they were known as Bible preachers. All they pre- all they really preached was law. They were really mm-hmm. good at going like, "Oh, here's what the Bible says about fasting: five ways to fast." And mm-hmm. so then I'm left with, "Okay, I don't fast, so I suck. Uh, I'm going to try those things, right. but I'm not going to do very well at that, so I'm still going to suck." Now, what? So what's my hope here? Is just getting better at mm-hmm. fasting? So it's like you need to have it grounded in the gospel so that you see the gospel above the command that saves us and God right. in the command who's like giving us these commands as our father you know like he's yes. he's he's inviting us to to walk in his ways so yeah i think that's uh that, that that's definitely a fear the, that that we all hit if you're yeah, especially the in the reformed that, tradition yeah the the reason that came to mind was just thinking about the whole idea of the hearing of the message mm-hmm. side of things too and you know, I was thinking ahead in our conversation about how James 
tells us to not just be hearers, but to be doers yeah. as well. And so how do I properly instruct someone? So just kind of from that fear of preaching, you know, the overlap of communicating it well, but, but now I'm telling them to do something. Am I telling them to do it from the right place? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. So, well, let, let's talk about hearing sermons, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I love listening to preaching. I don't enjoy listening to podcasts of preaching. Um, I'll do it on occasion, um, but never regularly. And uh, I'll watch a sermon every once in a great while. But if I'm not there, I'd rather read one. I would much rather just read. Sure. But I love sitting under the preaching of the word. Uh, and we've all been at churches where like, wow, you're hearing like some of the greatest preaching of your life. You're just loving your pastor. You're loving the message. But we've also been in situations where we're like, this is the worst thing ever and I can't stand it. And, you know, some people have a hard time listening to a preacher because they're they're in the middle of a disagreement with the preacher or sure. um, maybe, oh, wow, I, I disagree with him and uh, with part of what he's saying here. And whatever the reason is, there are there are. There are problems that hearers of the word have when listening to uh to a preacher uh can you do any do any of those problems come to mind that you think are generally common like what is the static that gets in the way of listening Mm. to a a preacher and then what can we actively do to overcome those uh those problems yeah i think uh you mentioned you know the the preacher himself may not be as captivating um, so again, I, I go back to the ordinary means and say, um, Holy Spirit, help me extract whatever you have for me in this message, because mm-hmm. I believe in the sovereignty of God and you have brought me here for today for this message. And I, I don't want to skip out on what you might be presenting to me through this boring preacher. <laughs> no, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. That's really good. Because um, we need, like as much as the whole, as much as the preacher needs the spirit to preach the word, we need the spirit to receive yeah. the word. Yeah. We're not just naturally right. wired to delight in God's word. Like it's the spirit yeah. in us. Even when you read uh, the confession, right? Like how do we know mm-hmm. it's the word of God? Well, the spirit tells us it's really how mm-hmm. we're persuaded. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, thinking about uh, Collins Baptist Catechism, questions 95 through 97. You know, uh, he says uh, in question 96, asks, how is the word made effectual to salvation? The answer is the Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners and of building them up in Mm -hmm. holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And so, you know, there there is something, um, I mean, we all know the story of Edwards, you know, reading from a manuscript and people being moved by that. Um, I don't know how true that actually yeah. is, but there is something effective about the Word of God. And so if, you know, maybe the preacher is really boring, but I have a responsibility as a listener to say, okay, yeah. this is God's Word. I be- if, You know, again, so we're talking about ordinary means. We're talking about what we confess. I, the very first part of the confession is, I believe this is God's word, you know? And so if, if this, you know, I often pray uh, uh, at the beginning of my sermons, Lord, we believe uh, that your Holy Spirit has um, inspired these words in the original autographs, but also that he can illuminate our minds and our hearts to an understanding and application of these truths, uh, even as we're going through it. So, so do that work in us, you know? And so if I say, I believe that, then, um, then I need to pray for that too. Yeah. So, no, that's that's a that's a that's a really good word. And what I would add to that because I think the most the most likely scenario that we encounter 
with you know static <laughs> uh, when we're trying to listen to the word of God is that the sermon itself isn't very good. Sure, because right? you can have a biblical sermon that over the sermon isn't good, and that it, that has to do with structure, delivery, and all this stuff. But like you said, it is the word of God. So my advice to people, by the way, your advice I think is wonderful. Uh, pray, ask the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do, and then with that, your part would be open your Bible, open That's right. that thing. That's right. <laughs> open the open that thing and like b- yeah. put your put your nose in the book. I mean, I've I've, for a while, man, I was under a preacher for a while and he just started phoning it in. He really was. Mm. And Mm. uh, so when he was preaching, I would be listening to him, but I'd be in that passage. I mean, I'd be working that passage, listening to him, working that passage and going, okay, how does this apply to me? Because a preacher, even a great preacher can only Mm. apply it in so many ways. And I tend to give right. people principles that then will apply yes. in a multiplicity of ways rather than just like very specific applications. I'll give those two. But you have to, as a listener, be saying like, I'm responsible to apply this to my life, to take what's being yes. said, to what's being held out. And now I got it like, what does it mean for me? And so take notes, um, write down your own thoughts and observations and applications or implications as you're doing it. That's going to be a big that's, help. That's really, I think that's really good. Um, that's I, That's something I might, say this Sunday, like um, engaging people in the preaching by way of saying, hey, I can only give you so much uh, as far as implications and applications. You need to be thinking about how this applies mm-hmm. to your life in particular, not what does it mean to me, of course, right. but, but how does it apply yeah. to me? That's a really good word. And I you like have, that. And like you said, and you have something, someone better than me to help you. You have the spirit of God. Right. You have the Holy yeah. Spirit in you. So you can do this. Like you can really take it yeah. much farther than what I'm able to, to, to do here. And I think what, what I heard you say too is really good. We're holding these two truths together that God has um, enabled by spiritual means this pastor to be a preacher. I mean, he's been affirmed in that as a, as a preacher. And so therefore we believe that the Holy Spirit in a mysterious way is working through God's word and the man who's speaking imperfect. He's imperfect, of course, but what I have in my lap is God's perfect word, at least as best rendered through translation, which again, I often pray that to you, Lord, thank you that we have something in our own language that we can hold and read, but yeah, getting our nose in the text. And that was one of the other static things I was thinking about is distraction. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember who said, I'm sure a million people have said this, but you know, Sunday morning starts Saturday night. I've heard people say that for years and just preparing ourselves well, to to uh, set aside distraction and that can be 30 seconds before we walk in the church if you've got yeah. you know a three five and seven year old <laughs> yeah that you're trying to get in the door you know um or you've just had an argument with your wife or or you don't or, or you're mad at the preacher mm. yeah you know like you said i mean you could be in conflict with the guy who's up there speaking and that can really be distracting so yeah, yeah preparing I- our hearts and the bottom line is, is like we should, as Christians, be very optimistic on Sunday morning when the word is being preached. Not because yeah, we have the best great. preacher. Hopefully you really are blessed by your preacher. But because you do have the word of God and your preacher is working to give you the, the best mm-hmm. explanation and application of the word that he can. So we should be very optimistic. We have the spirit, we have the word, we have the communion of the saints. We have all of this together and God's word doesn't return void. Like we should have, right. like, if you go into it, like, uh, I'm, I'm you know, like you said, preparation. If you go into it thinking like, you know what? I can't believe they're pushing for this new thing at the church and I don't really like it. And now you're in a mood. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to lay that stuff aside and say, all right, you know what? We can deal with that later for now. Uh, I need God's word. I need this 
this gathering. Yeah. I, I need all of these it, means of grace. Exactly. And if we don't, and if we don't believe that, if we just, if we're just going through the motions, I'm talking about myself as well. If I, as, as the guy who preaches, you know, 40 weekends out of the year, if I, um, go into when someone else is preaching and even as the preacher thinking I can do it better or whatever. Um, and if we don't, if we don't believe, if we don't hold that these, these are God's means of grace to us, um, then, then we're going to get distracted. We're going to not receive what God has given us in those means. Um, I, 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 I would love for you to tag this in your show notes. I'm not telling you what to do, but the hearing the word by William Ames, Mm. um, he has a whole thing on how should we prepare ourselves to hear the word? Um, and it's like, you know, 40 points because he's a Puritan. So, (laughs) um, but there's this, you know, just a couple of the points real quickly, if I could, you know, please uh, I'll read just the beginning of these, but attention is applying the understanding to perceive the revealed will of God. And then he goes to Acts sixteen fourteen. The Lord opened the heart of Lydia that she might attend to the things spoken by Paul. Um, and then number nine, in this attention, we need that prudence which will discern what the will of God is. Romans twelve two. And so, not that we're so distracted from what the preacher is doing, but there are these ways in which we engage. Um, not in I agree or I disagree with the preacher, but. Um, how do I, like you said earlier, how do I apply these things? The attention that I'm giving to it is what is the will of God in this for right. me? Um, and not again, not mystical will. He's going to drop a brick out of heaven with a note tied to it. This is my will, but, huh. but listen for those okay, things. John you know? MacArthur. Okay. I guess God couldn't oh, is drop that a something brick. MacArthur's? God, no, God couldn't <laughs> drop a brick from heaven with no, no, no. Okay, fine. This is is what that a MacArthur thing? No, just, you know, that really hard <laughs> cessation is, I agree with you. No, I totally oh, agree. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, 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 yeah. anytime I can make fun of, because like sometimes <laughs> we get into the whole thing about cessation. The, yeah, we don't have time yeah. to get into cessation. Because I, I am a classic no, 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 no. cessationist. Like, yeah. uh, Me if too. You're, if Me you're too. reformed, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. but you don't have to be a deist uh, as well. And no, no, I know no, you're no. not suggesting yeah. that. I was just having yeah, a little yeah, fun. Yeah. You didn't yeah. go. I know you didn't go to Masters. I just know that you, you know, you love MacArthur so much that you go to the Shepherd's Conference every year and get his autograph on a new I Bible. I have not every been year. to the Shepherd's Conference since 2015. Yeah, I think the last time you went, I think you 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 took my book and you had him hold it and take a picture with him holding. I my did. Book. Yes, I did. <laughs> we might put that up. We might put that up with the show notes. We'll see if I can find it. And then it. and then uh, yeah, oh, I've got it. I, it's yeah, no need it to, to find it. I know exactly where it is. And then one of your friends took and plastered a bunch of different faces over MacArthur, like Joel Osteen and and Batman. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. That's uh, <laughs> those are my friends. That's what we get. <laughs> hey, Joel, listen. If people want to follow you on social media, if they want to interact with you, bother you, yell at you, uh, where do they find you? You just called me Joel, by the way. I don't know if that was a holdover from my my just saying Joel oh, man, Osteen. You, my, my, listen, man, <laughs> I, I was telling you before we started recording. It's been a rough day. I mean, I know I'm on sabbatical, <laughs> but it's just been a disaster after disaster after the whole morning has been a train wreck. That's okay. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for Jason. pointing out your faults. So yeah, please, that's okay. Please do. But point them out. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for it. How do people yeah, find you? So it's my, my last name backwards, uh, which is um, Dugilla, if you do it phonetically. I love so it. Uh, that's, that's at uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all the same. Last name uh, backwards is, I, ter- is, a t- is, is a general. Don't ever do that. Unless your last name is Allegood, because Dugilla is awesome. <laughs> I love it. And then you can, uh, my, my website is uh, only active when I'm active on other websites, but I do plan to do more work there. So jasonballegood.com is my uh, my website. And um, 
So the the B is for Brent, but that's why I throw that in there. If you're if you're going to be a theological author, you got to have the middle initial. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. So we got the J- PhD. Jason so Alligood. you're that's legit right. now. You want what's the B stand for? Yep. Beatrice. No, Brent. I just said that. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I, I don't pay attention. Brent. Okay, Brent. That's okay. Right. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. So no. jasonbialligood.com. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. We'll have you back and I uh, hope we can hang out again soon. It was really good Absolutely. seeing you and uh, your family and your dogs and everything uh, <laughs> this past, uh, was it week, weekend? I don't remember. What day did I come down on? Friday. It was Friday. It was Friday. All right. That was, a, yeah. that was a good time. You're going to come back, right? You're not going to... You, sure. You're, okay. Yeah. Okay. You say, Thank you, you man. You that's that's very kind you, of you to invite me. Thank you very much. You, you say it now, but like, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if you come back. <laughs> I, I, I hope, I, I hope you do. Well, listen, will, we, we would love to hear uh, your thoughts. And uh, if you're a preacher or a hearer of the word, man, now you can hop onto social media and engage us. We are at doc and Devo on Instagram and Twitter We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash doctrine and devotion. And you can find us on YouTube right now. So uh, we got that going, uh, but you can visit our website, doctrineanddevotion.com, and there you can find our articles, uh, some video, and of course, our podcast drops every Monday and Thursday. But if you want to support the podcast, if you want to enable us to do this and to do more, and if you just want more content, you can subscribe to All Access. And to do that, you can just write on your podcast player, scroll down, there should be a support this podcast link, click on that, and you can sign up right there, and you will get five devotions a week. We're actually going through the uh, Second London Confession now devotionally. That just started this week. And so uh, you can get that plus the Banter of Truth podcast only for our All Access subscribers. Thanks for listening, man. And we, uh, we hope to see you guys on social media. Mm-hmm.